This is week five in our series about how that God wants us to, to sustain you in every way. You know, you're in him and in him is everything you need. So Psalm 55, 22 is powerful. It says, cast your burden upon the Lord and what will he do if you do that? And he shall sustain you. He'll sustain you. He'll never allow you to slip or fall or get knocked off your course, ever. The God of heaven, the creator of all things will sustain you. And then he goes on to say, he will never allow the righteous to be moved. Isn't that amazing? We looked at that last week. You know, righteousness, we talked a little bit about it last week. Righteousness is a position, right? It is a position where you stand in the presence of your God because you've been made the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. You're able to stand in his presence without any sense of guilt or inferiority, right? As if sin has never even existed. I love that. Righteousness. You are able to be sustained in life because you have been, been, you've been made righteous. Realize that. I know that sounds so simple, but it's so deep. How deep is it? How deep is God, right? I'm telling you, it, it, a million years from now, we will be learning more about what this position means with God. Everything must bow to who you are and who you've been made in Christ. It's amazing. Sickness has to leave. Poverty and lack has to go. Depression, anxiety, fear has to go. Addictions have to leave, right? Disaster, messes in your life, things that you've done, maybe wrong decisions that you've made, because, you're, because you've been made the righteousness of God, it opens the door for God to come in and fix it all. I love that. So we talked a lot about righteousness last week, and we ended up with Romans chapter 5, verse 17. And that verse says this, for if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. It says much more, they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. They which receive. This is the key word in this. This means they which take hold of and continue in. And we said this is in the continual present tense. So it's something that you are always doing all throughout your whole life. And it's something that will grow. They that take hold of the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. How do we reign? By him. The word reign means to have full and superior dominion. Don't ever feel that what you're facing is bigger than who you are in Christ because that's just not true. It might look and feel bigger, but it's not. And it's not your job to move it. He'll move the mountain. But he's going to have to get you to speak to the mountain in order for him to move it. Amen? So this is huge. So now as we transition and we start talking about the abundance of grace... This grace, it's the Greek word charis. It literally means the divine influence on the heart or on your spirit and its outward man manifestations of the ability of God that flow out of your life from it. So it's something that's happening inwardly that's producing outward manifestations. It's how everything works in God. The grace of God could be defined as the finished work of Christ. Everything that he provided for you, he provided by his grace. The grace of God could be defined simply as this, God doing for you what you could never do for yourself. 
and how we do this. See, we lay hold of all that God has provided for us by his grace. We lay hold of it through faith. So we simply have to believe that. So as we go here, Romans 5, 17, we started saying this last Sunday. There's two components in this verse. In order for you and I to reign in life, there's two things that you're going to have to always do, right? You're going to have to receive two things. You're going to have to continually grow in two things to reign in life. Number one, the abundance of grace. You're going to have to continually lay hold of and grow in the abundance of grace. And number two, you're going to have to continually lay hold of and grow in in the gift of righteousness. Now see, righteousness doesn't grow. Grace, you can grow in grace. You can't grow in righteousness, which means you will never be more righteous than you are right now. Right? But you can grow in the knowledge and revelation of who you are in Christ. Or you can grow in your awareness of righteousness. And that's the key. That'll fix everything in your lifestyle. Because the lifestyle of a believer flows out. It completely flows out of of, of your righteousness. The more aware of who you are in Christ, how you've been made righteous, the more holiness you will walk in. Right? It, 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 this is a, if, if you don't see anything else, realize that this stuff happens automatically. It's not, it's not mechanical. It's, it's in, in one sense it is because sometimes if you're not flowing in this, it's because you need to fix something. Usually what you have to fix is what you're looking at. If you're looking at wrong things, all of a sudden you're going to start looking to wrong things. The minute we get our eyes off Jesus, we, it's, we start to get depleted spiritually. You could tell if you're depleted spiritually because you know, you, you, when you first get depleted spiritually, you'll really know what you should do, but you just won't do it. But what happens over time is if you keep looking at wrong things, entertaining wrong thoughts, you'll start taking those thoughts and you'll start speaking them. And then what happens now is your, your tongue is your steering wheel. So now as you're speaking those wrong things, it'll steer you off course. Notice, remember Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden upon the Lord and he'll sustain you. Right? He'll never allow the righteous to be moved. He'll never allow you to be moved off your course. Notice that verse says something else is, tr- is moving you. When you get off your course, this is, this is how someone else, how they get you to move yourself. Because see, in righteousness, you're fixed and immovable. Satan can't move you. So he's got to get you to entertain wrong thoughts and take them and start speaking them, right? So like in the realm of of finances, he'll start getting you to talk about how that you can't honor God in your finances. Well, I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford to do these things. And what happens now is your own words are moving you off the path and it cuts you off from the God who loves you and wants to get things over to you. He can't now. It's all there, but you're not able to lay hold of it. He'll get you talking about, man, this person really hurt me, and I am just not going to forgive them. And those words that you're speaking will steer you off your course. Same thing with healing, right? Start believing God for healing, and all of a sudden some symptoms get worse, And never forget this. Brother Hagen said this years ago. You know, symptoms, this is what they are. They are an outward manifestation of an internal spiritual attack against you. Never forget that. 
We call them lying symptoms because they're lying to you. They're saying you're going to die, you're going to be weak, you're not going to get better, and none of those things are true because Jesus already bore that stuff. So you don't have to. But see, how the enemy gets you off course is gets you speaking about it. This is why the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You need to walk around all day saying, I'm redeemed. Right? If, you, if, you, if you're suffering from an addiction, you need to be walking around all day. I don't care if it's, if, if, if whatever it is. If it's overeating, you need to be walking around saying, I love Brussels sprouts. <laughs> right? Why is that? Well, because the Bible says you'll have what you say. You're, you're, what are you guys laughing about? Right? Your tongue, your tongue will take you in whatever direction. The, you know the Bible says this? It says if you could bridle your... I'm trying to pull you out of the Brussels sprout thing. <laughs> The Bible says if you bridle your tongue or control your tongue, you can control your whole body. Isn't that interesting? Wow. So see, this is how the enemy tries to move you. But if you'll continually take hold of who you are in Christ and grow in this, and if you'll continually take hold of the grace of God, which is his divine ability on the inside of you that produces outward manifestations. If you'll do that, the Bible says you'll reign in life. You'll have full and superior dominion. Do you know in your field, whatever field you're in, in the secular world, do you know whatever you're doing, God's plan is that you, raise, you go to the top. You're to be above only and not beneath. Do you know that? You got to believe that. It's because the greater one lives on the inside of you. So we've got to get these things down, right? So how do I continually grow and lay hold of these two things? We call it meditating in the word of God. So I would encourage you, when you come and hear these messages, especially, do you know, on a Sunday and a Wednesday, I get, I get basically, at the most, 104 times a year. You know, and then there's vacations and other things. But 104 times a year, you can hear from your pastor. Well, what's important about that? Well, I'm a little different than any other person you listen to. And, and this is why, because I'm your pastor, and who chose that? Not me, not you, but God did that. These messages are designed to equip you to go walk out God's path for your life. All the other teaching that you hear from all these other great men and women of God ministers, that's great. That'll, that actually will build and help you too. It'll build upon the foundation of what you learn in your local church. So if you choose not to come on a Wednesday night, then here's what's important. You want to get online and listen to those messages. Because otherwise, you just cut off the, the person or the, what God put in your life to equip you. You just cut it down by 50%. And you could say, oh, pastor, come on. This is not all about you. I didn't say anything about me. Because I can't do anything. But for some reason, when the word of God comes through me, it will equip you. It's amazing. So I want to encourage you. As See, this is, this is how you grow in this. You hear a message and, and, some, and a scripture jumps out at you. And you take that and you start meditating in it. You start saying it over and over and over. Say this with me. Father, I cast all my burden upon you. And I thank you today that you sustain me. That you never allow me to be moved. See, we should say that all day long. 
Do you know what will happen if you say that all day long? Ooh, some things will go off in your heart, right? Because see, you, your mind will shut up and listen to your mouth. So you have the ability to literally, see, we confess the word of God and speak the word of God for two reasons. Number one, I confess the word of God to get it in my heart. Number two, I'm confessing the word because once it's in my heart in abundance, it'll start coming out of my mouth. So it literally is a flow. Everything we're talking about is a flow. We have to see this. So let's keep going with this. Romans chapter 5 in verse 21 now. We were in verse 17. Go four more verses forward. It says that as sin hath reigned unto death. So it's given us a comparison how grace is going to reign through righteousness unto eternal life. In the same way that sin reigned unto death, when, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, de- basically sin came into this earth realm and death came in with it, and now you see all kinds of problems in the earth. You see sickness and disease, you see unforgiveness, you see self-centeredness, murder, everything. You start seeing lack. All this stuff, start, death had full and superior dominion. The minute Adam ate that fruit, he died spiritually because the wages of sin is death. And it, now it took over 900 years for death to kill his physical body. But it still happened. God said, listen, Adam, don't eat of this tree because in the day that you eat of it, in the Hebrew language it would read, in dying you shall die. See, death reigned. But here's the cool thing. Even so, in the same way, even so, might, and it says might grace reign. Why? Because it's up to us. But if you want grace to reign, see, you're already righteous. If you want grace, the grace of God to reign through who you are, you can do it. How do you do that? You speak the word. It's a flow. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the weak say what? They're strong. Why? Because the Bible says, when God says, be strong in the Lord, that is an enablement. His word is an enablement. When God says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, that enables you to do all things. When he says, all things are possible to him who believes, It empowers the person who believes to do all things. Isn't that cool? That's why it goes on to say, let the blind say what? That they can see. See, that makes no sense in the natural. But see, God makes a way where there is no way. In other words, God wants to turn people's lives right side up. That's what he does. So grace reigns through righteousness, who you are as a child of God, unto eternal life. That's Zoe life. In other words, as you walk in the grace of God, you will experience the very quality and essence of the life of God. What does that mean? Do you think God has ever, do you think he's ever stepped off the throne and went, oh, my knee kind of hurts today. Any sickness, do you, think, I mean, do you think there's any Kleenex in heaven? There is none, right? There's just none. No sickness, no lack. Do you think he's like a little freaked out? Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? How are we going to keep the light on here? No, no, there's no lack in heaven, right? Do you think, do you think there's ever any weakness in heaven? No. Fear? No. And you know, you can see that in the life of Jesus. Why? He was the righteous son of God on this earth, right? And the Bible says he was full of grace and full of truth, which is full of the word. And I'm telling you, the grace of God reigned 
through his life, the divine influence on his heart that was manifested out of his life, what were those manifestations? They're manifestations of God's ability. See, when, when your body gets healed, that is an outward manifestation of, of his influence inwardly on you. As your bills are supernaturally met, as you supernaturally increase, as you walk in supernatural wisdom and strength, all of a sudden it's manifesting all these things in your life. What do we call it? It's the life of your dreams, literally, according to Jeremiah 29, 11. Those are outward manifestations of what God has done. See, and as you manifest that, it shows eternal life. It gives everybody a picture of eternal life. Do you think there's anybody in heaven that's filled with guilt or shame or condemnation, just doesn't feel adequate? There's none of that. Because Zoe life, there's no condemnation. One of the first manifestations when you're in Christ, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, right? Look at, we'll look at Romans. Well, if we get there, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 is really awesome. It says, there is therefore now, now that you're in Christ, now that Jesus came out of the grave, there's no condemnation. Amen. Amen. The Bible says things like, you are unblameable and unaccusable now. Not because of who you are in yourself, but because of who you are in him. There's a different ballgame going on now. At the beginning of chapter 5, it says this, chapter 5 of Romans, verse 1. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, everything is through him. And then in verse 2, it says, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand or which causes us to stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So I live with this joyous confident expectation that the glory of God will be seen in my life in my future and guess what that is to be a continual thing the glory of God should be shining out of me now and the glory of God will be shining out of me in my future so right here at the beginning of a situation in my life, physically or financially or emotionally or relationally, right at the beginning of it, I have hope that we're going to see the glory of God. We're going to see the restoration of God. But those things also, while I have things in my life that I'm still waiting to see outwardly, there's also things that I'm seeing right now. Right? It's a constant flow. This is really good news. Right? Amen. Faith is for the purpose of taking hold of what God has provided for you by his grace. Boy, that's good preaching. Man, that's awesome. So let's look at Paul for a moment. Go to Acts. Acts chapter 9 and verse 3. Let's look at this. Uh, an example of, of Paul. And I'll give you a little key that that is right here in these three or four verses that we look at that you'll see you'll be able to see literally when when paul first met jesus it sent him on a mission that was his whole life so in acts chapter 9 verse 3 it says as he talking about paul journeyed now paul's name was not paul yet it was still saul okay as, and as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. That would probably freak you out, right? And it says, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So here's Saul, he's a Pharisee, a Pharisee of Pharisees, and he's going around having these Christians killed and thrown in prison. He has letters from the government to do that. 
He's disrupting things. And notice Jesus didn't ask him, he didn't say, Saul, why are you persecuting my people? No, no, there's no difference between, between Jesus and his people, right? So he's like, why are you persecuting me? And look at what, so here's a guy. Now, this is what I love about Paul. He had a suddenly happen in his life, and he instantly changed course. Look at what he said. And Saul said, who are you, Lord? Now, this is what's interesting about that. The last word. Who are you is okay. But then he said, Lord. In other words, he said, you are Lord of all. Right? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. So no doubt... Paul, you know, he had this zeal for God, but he was on a wrong path, and it, and it, must, it must have been frustrating for him. But now he meets his Lord. And when he meets his Lord, the first thing he does is he acknowledges, who are you, Lord? Right? It's like, I don't really know you, but based on the light and I got knocked off this horse and what I'm feeling right now and what I'm hearing right now, see, what did Jesus say? People will hear the voice of their shepherd. He heard the voice of his shepherd. So he's like, who are you, Lord? Right? So then it goes on. Verse 6, and he trembling and astonished said this. Now, this is amazing. He's trembling. Why is he trembling? Because when he said, who are you, Lord? What did Jesus say? I am. I am Jesus. That caused him to tremble because now he's like, oh my gosh, this is the guy that, uh, that was on the earth that I'm having his followers killed. So he's probably thinking, is this the day that I'm going to just be vaporized? Right? But look at what he said. He said, Lord. Notice how he started that out? Lord. He acknowledged the lordship of Christ. And he said this, what would you have me to do? So if you look at the whole Pauline revelation, all the books all the letters that he penned, all of them, what are they all about? Who are you? And because of, who, because of I found out who you are, what do you want me to do? Book of Ephesians, first three chapters talk about who you are in Christ. The next three chapters talk about because you know who you are in Christ now, now this is how you walk this out. This is what you do. The whole Pauline revelation came down to right here. See, Paul was not perfect. He was devoted to God. Why? Because he knew him. Here's a truth. This was worth you driving here today. When you know God, you will yield to him. If you're not yielded to God in an area of your life as a Christian, it only means that you don't know him in that area. So don't beat yourself up. Just get to know him. Right? Why doesn't a person give and sow? Well, because they don't know him as a provider. So because you don't know him as a provider, you won't yield to him. Why doesn't a person forgive? Because they don't know God as someone who forgives. So they, they can't yield in an area they don't know. See, this is why we can't work out anybody else's salvation. Because we don't know what area God's really wanting to deal with them in. Right? So that's why, you know, whether you give anything in an offering here or not, you get the same pastoral care. Of course you would. Right? We're all in a different place. See, why don't people embrace and receive healing? 
Because they don't know him as a healer. That's all. That's why we teach. Isn't it kind of cool when you start to learn some of these principles, you realize, I don't have to beat myself up here. Right? And, and if you start to go, okay, I can't yield to something that I don't know, then it makes sense why the body of Christ is not very strong. Because we're hearing wrong things like, well, God will bless one, but not another. And God will heal one, but not another. Because you just never know what God is going to do. And all of these all of these wonderful statements are not Bible. Does the Bible say that his ways are higher than ours? Yeah, absolutely. But you can't stop there. You got to read one more verse that says, and, and God will reveal all of his ways by his spirit. But how can you, so if you look at a New Testament believer, think of how many believers don't believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. They don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They don't believe in, you know, all these, they said all these gifts and things are done away with. So you just don't know him, so you can't yield to him in that area. So this is what's so cool. This is why today God's not mad at you. He's excited about where you are. And he's like, okay, so so just make some changes. Just start Start getting to know me, and I'll help you. My spirit is within you. I'll help you. I'll, I'll, I'll show you things in my word. I'll bring revelation knowledge if you're willing to get in my word. But see, most people's Bible, you know, this is what's dangerous. When you're opening up to a scripture and you hear this, you have to be real careful because you're like, because it's never been opened before since you bought it. That's dangerous, you know, or, or if you look, if you, if you look at a person's Bible and it looks like this, that's a good thing, right? But some people, let me find something here. There's got to be something. Yeah, here we go. But if your Bible looks like this, that might not be such a good thing. I mean, I remember there was a young lady, she ultimately came to work at our church, and I bought her a Bible because it tilted her when I said, man, you got you to write in your Bible and underline things. And remember, Stephanie, she's like, what? That's the holy word of God. And I'm like, well, if you don't want to write in your Bible, great. I'll buy you one that you could write in, right? If, if you can't write in your Bible today, that's great. Set that thing somewhere in your house, make it look real pretty, and then go buy one that you could write in. Right? So very, very important. So let's keep going. Now let's look at Paul. Let's look at something he wrote to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Lord, who are you and what would you have me to do? So Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, at the end of that verse, it says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling in the Greek would mean, would, be, would, would mean this. With a reverence and an honor and a respect above everything else in life for God. Work out your own salvation. Verse 13, at the beginning of this verse, why do we do that? For it is God which works in you. And I love the word works here. Works in you means he energizes you. That's what that Greek word means. He energizes you. For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. This word pleasure means his good purpose. God has a good purpose for your life. And he if you will reverence, honor, and respect him above everything else in your life, what he will do is he will energize you both to will and to do. What does that mean? He'll energize you to want to do it and to do it. See, if you guys want to be as wild about God as I am, 
This is what you do. You reverence, honor, and respect him above everything else in your life. And as you get to know him, you'll yield to him. Because I'm telling you, when you get to know God, he is so awesome. And you can trust him. So let's look at the amplified version of this verse. Verse 13, I love the amplified version because it brings out the parenthetical Greek uh, definitions here. It says, not in, how, how do I work out my own salvation? Not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you both the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction. Wow. See, so many people are holding back in their walk with the Lord because they think he's going to make them do something that they don't want to do. But here's the thing. God will energize you. He will literally create in you the power and the desire to do whatever he calls you to do. It's amazing. The only reason why you're sitting here not wanting to do something, that's not even you. That's just your flesh. That, I mean, it's really amazing. When you start to see some of these things, you start to go, wait a minute. So, so, so really, I'm not a mess today. Do you know sitting here, if you're a child of God, you're not a mess at all. Yeah, but pastor, you have no idea what I'm thinking right now, what I've been doing. No, no, no. That's, you're just living out of your flesh. You're just not looking at the right thing. It's amazing how, how, see, the Bible says if you're a hearer of the word only and not a doer, you deceive yourself. It says that Satan doesn't even deceive you. Now, we know what that means because when you go and you're part of a church that hears the word, do you know how many people we've had leave our church because they've learned everything they could learn? Okay, got that. Scary. Right? No, 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 no. You're self-deceived. Because a person who's really growing, you would never say, got that. You would say, wow, that's amazing. And I know I'm just scratching the surface. People who are spiritual, you know, people who are, people who are self-deceived walk around and just kind of, you know, there's kind of just... What am I doing right now? I'm discerning. <laughs> right? You know, and just, oh, here comes Pastor. I mean, I remember the first time I met Brother Hagen. You know, I think he was thinking I was going to talk to, I wanted to talk to him. I was standing outside uh, Rooker uh, Auditorium, and he comes in the back door. I didn't even know it. I was waiting for a friend, and he walked right up to me and goes, hey, how can I help you? He goes, what's your name? And I, so I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking, because as he was walking up to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, the prophet's walking up to me. And I'm, and I'm thinking, I don't have time to confess. I know there's got to be sins. But you know, but then when he started talking, you're just like, oh, he's just a normal, just, he's actually human. People who don't act like that, who they're super spiritual, you know, they're, they're self-deceived. They See, well, how do you get self-deceived in a church like ours? Man, you've been here in faith so long, you can quote all the scriptures, but you don't walk in any of them because you don't meditate in any of them and you think you know everything. And what's so sad is you wonder, why do I not have any passion for the things of God? And, it, and, and here's the good news. You can change that instantly. You just have to overcome your flesh and start speaking the word of God and meditating in it. And all of a sudden, things will start stirring in you because in you 
is this well. We call it salvation. And you start drawing out of the well of salvation. And all of a sudden, man, you start thinking on a global level. And you start thinking uh, about things that you never thought of before. And all of a sudden, you, want to, you start getting to know God. So you start yielding to him. And then things start changing in your life. But in order to do that, see, see here, I got to tell on myself. Like, like, okay, so at this, at this helps ministry banquet, there's a lady in our church that wins this crisper pan. And, and somebody makes a statement about making me Brussels sprouts with this, but she hadn't won it yet. So there was two of them and somebody else won it. But, but on the front of it, it had French fries. But then she won it. And she, she so, so graciously held up the back and showed me that on the back it was full of Brussels sprouts. But th- see, what I'm talking about is just like a Brussels sprout. On the outside, I mean, my wife and daughter made them last night. You know, and, and I'm looking at these things, and, and I'm looking at these things going, why? But I've heard, I've heard, and, and people will ask me, because see, I'm like, ooh, yeah, I just, no, I'm not eating that. I don't like those. I don't like those. I don't like those. And then somebody asks a question. Well, have you ever actually tried one? And I, I, I would like to default to the Keith Moore saying, I have no opinion about that. Because, you know, I've never had a Brussels sprout hit my lips. So how do I really know that they're not good, right? But here's the thing. The thought of getting up extra early and spending a little time in the word in the morning and then, and then at noon spending a little time with the Lord and then before you go to bed spending some time with him, reading things that maybe you don't understand, that doesn't sound, it sounds like eating a Brussels sprout to me. But boy, if you'll do it, I hear there's actually people on the planet that like Brussels sprouts. And that there might be, look, all these hands. Wow. Maybe God planted me here for a purpose of, you know. But, but here's the thing. What you feed on is what you hunger after. And when you, when you feed, then you get hungrier And then all of a sudden you feed and you get hungrier. And then you start to know God, which is eternal life. And then you'll start yielding to him. All of a sudden, you'll start going, wait a minute. You know, I'm going to change and make this adjustment in my life. You start yielding. But, but, But why do you do that? Because God's energizing you. He's creating in you a will and a desire to forgive this person, to walk this out, to do this. Do you see that? You're self-programmable is what I'm saying. See, many people do not not think that God's plan for them is better than their plan. I mean, I, I completely knew at 20 years old that I was to pastor a church four miles from the Pacific Ocean in South Orange County, California. I just knew that. But that was not the plan. And I'm so glad because, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, I don't like snow. Do, do a lot of people, I, I do like snow a little bit now because playing with my grandkids, that, that's a cool thing. You know, but but having to move 12 or 14 inches of snow to get out of your driveway, that's just not, right? But, but I would never want to be anywhere else. I mean, when I look at you guys, you have no idea how much I love you. Why is that? Because God has created in me constantly a desire. You're, when, we, you know, when we say you're family, you're family. It's It's amazing. So let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2, or 2nd, let me flip over. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. 
because I want you to see some things here. 2 Peter chapter 1 in verse 2. I hope this is helping you today. Man, I hope you get built up and encouraged today. Because God, he'll help you. He'll move you and, and lead you and woo you. And, and how he does that is creating these desires in you to serve him and walk with him. Because he's got a great plan for your life. See, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 says this, that grace and peace are multiplied unto you, how? Through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's the problem if you just read this on the surface. The knowledge of God and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know there's a lot of ridiculous wrong knowledge out there about God and about Jesus Christ? This is why the Holy Spirit use the word, the Greek word for knowledge here is the Greek word epignosis. And he made a, it, it's grace and peace is multiplied unto you through the correct and precise knowledge of God. See, grace and peace is gonna be multiplied to you as you know that God is your healer always that God has good plans for you always, that he's not gonna just throw you into a circumstance to test where you are. And, and No, no, God doesn't do that. He teaches his kids with his word, right? So you have to have the correct and precise knowledge. Now if you go to chapter three in verse 18 of 2 Peter, 2 Peter three eighteen, it tells a little bit about, see, grace is multiplied unto you through the correct and precise knowledge of God and his son Jesus. And then you go, uh, 2 Peter 3.18, it says, but grow in grace. See, this is not a one-time event. This is an ongoing work. But grow in grace and in the knowledge, the epignosis, the correct and precise knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. The amplified version of this verse, of verse 18, I love this. So listen to this. It says, but grow in grace, undeserved favor and spiritual strength. He wants, God wants you to grow in spiritual strength. And recognition and knowledge and understanding of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ the Messiah. To him be glory, honor, majesty, and splendor, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So be it. See, again now, this New Testament word for grace is the Greek word charis. If you're taking notes, it's spelled C-H-A-R-I-S. It means God's influence on the heart and its reflection in the life. You could say the reflection in the life or the manifestation in the life. See, you and I, our life is to reflect the glory of God. Isn't that cool? If grace, see, if righteousness, remember I said this, if righteousness was a tree, peace would be the fruit of it. If grace was a tree, glory would be the fruit of it. Because it's reflective. As God influences your heart, how does he do that? You hear his word that he wants you healed. You hear his word that he made you free. Right? And that starts reflecting in your life because you start to know him and you start to yield to that. And now it starts reflecting in your life. This is how this works. The word is talking about something from within, an influence from within you that attracts people. That attracts people. Do you know... You have been made to attract people. 
people, will, people, your fruit will be attracted to you. When God says, I'm the God who will teach you how to profit, this is Isaiah 48, 17, and will lead you in the way that you should go, what does that mean? His grace will do that. You'll walk in and you'll do business with people because of that attraction that's coming out of you. It's the grace of God. Grace could be defined as favor. God's favor crowns us as with a shield. If you study the favor of God, laws changed. God moves mountains out of the way because of that. In other words, God has placed something in you that draws people to you. This is why Satan wants to keep you up to here with your life. Because he does not want you pointed outward. He wants you to be a Christian and walk through life and nobody sense anything from you. Because, because see, he, does ne- he never wants the grace of God to start reflecting out of you. So that's why he stops the Christian. I mean, when you realize everything that God placed in you is for the purpose of you attracting and bearing fruit and showing the world Jesus, this is why it's really sad when a child of God who's been gifted by God in areas chooses not to use those gifts because they don't want to take the time. That don't ever do that because, boy, I'm telling you, you don't want to stand before the Lord because when you step out of your flesh, you're going to be like, wow, I missed it. Right? There are people that will be attracted to you. You know, it's hilarious. You know, for me, people always say this. I mean, it's hilarious how much they say this. Your, your voice is so soothing. You know, I'm like right now, it's a miracle that you're all awake, right? If my wife has trouble sleeping, she just, she flips from one teacher to me and then she goes to sleep, right? I was in Chipotle and a young lady, the Chipotle, were, were, I don't even know, is, is it this way? I got it right, right? So the Chipotle over here, I had a mask on, right? Because you're ordering. I was there a couple weeks ago and this young lady looked at me and goes, man, you have such a soothing voice. And I'm, and I'm just, I'm like, thank you. And I'm thinking to myself, that's a reflection. I actually thank God. Okay, Father, every, see, remember how it says, the Bible says, God is your heavenly Father, 1 Corinthians 2.14. He, he literally always causes you to triumph, and he will leave a fragrance of the knowledge of him in every place you go. That's the reflection See, I didn't leave a reflection at Stephanie Moss Salon. My father did. I wonder if you're going to run into somebody this week that your reflection could actually change their life, their family, their whole direction in their life. Right? So don't minimize who you are. Don't minimize where you are. You might be frustrated where you're working. You might be frustrated about something in your life. And and a lot of times people get frustrated with their work because they don't make enough to have the lifestyle that they want when all the time what they make at their job is not to provide their lifestyle. So you got to be careful because there's graces and there's places and there's grace for you to be where you are. Right? This is, this is a huge, huge thing. God has placed something in you that will draw people to you. And here's another thing it'll draw. It'll draw success to you. That's how the blessing of Abraham works. And this is very specific to your path and your life. There is a grace on me that's very specific to me. There's a grace on Jeanette that's very, very specific to Jeanette, right? This is why some people could come here to this church 
And they sit here and go, you know, we got to be in church, but man, it can't be this one because I, I just, just nothing about this feels right. Well, what is that? They're not in their place. But when they find their place, they'll be like, oh. But then you got to be careful because many people get pulled out of their place because they get out of the word. They, start, they stop speaking the word and then they think they're out of place, but they're not. Do you see what I'm saying? There's just no reflection going on. So this reflection, it is God's influence within you that is intended by God to be reflected out of your life. In other words, grace is a place. Grace is a position. It's a position with God. It's a place in God. It's not just a condition, okay? This place, this position, this condition with God is designed to help you see and know things. That's why if you don't walk in the grace of God, if it, it's impossible for you to reign in life if you're not constantly taking hold of and continuing in the grace of God because you, you won't see things right and you won't be able to know things. I know people that can quote scripture after scripture after scripture and I've heard them preach and you're sitting there going, this is like a supernatural miracle. How can you know so much word and preach something that has no word in it? Right? I mean, it's amazing. See, this is, but this is, this is how this stuff happens. Grace is not only about what you don't deserve. It is about how each of us has an individual place with God. You need to know there's a place with God that you have that nobody else who will ever live has. It's not just about you not deserving something. It's a place that you have that's specific. You'll never know the path of God, the plan of God. You'll never be able to be led by the Spirit of God in, in the di dimension and the amount that he wants if you don't understand this. God loves you today. He is, he is, I mean, he is our father and, and, and he is our Lord. And while he's holding the whole universe in its place, his eyes are locked on you individually. And there's a place. See, I'm kind of talking about the secret place. We read this scripture and we look at it only one dimensionally and think that Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. You know, and then we think, yep, in heaven I'm going to have a mansion, which is kind of amazing because we're only going to be there seven years. Then we're coming back here. He's talking about more than just a mansion. I don't know about you. Live in a mansion, be before the throne of God. I, you know, I don't think I'm going to have to sleep, so I think I'll just be before the throne of God. Pacific Ocean, be with God. You know what? That's what's really cool is God likes to walk on the ocean. So I'll be with God walking on the ocean. That'll be cool. But, but this, is, this is the thing. This place, I go to prepare a place for you. You know, Jesus went to the cross and he prepared a place for you in God. It's a place of grace. It's, it's designed specifically for you. Every desire that you have from him is in that place and grows in that place. This place of grace causes the Holy Spirit's presence to be present everywhere I am supposed to go and upon everything that I am supposed to do. His grace rests upon it. His, this place of grace makes a way for you. Wow. See, Realize this today, God knows you by name, okay? Now, we've, we, we, we think that's really a pretty statement. And when, when, oh, God knows me by name. Do you know what name he knows you by? 
He knows you by Jesus. He knows you by Jesus. Because you're in him. Acts 17, 28 says, in him, I live and I move and I have my being. I was created in him. All the promises of God are in him, yes and amen. Life, faith, all of these things are in him. Everything is in him. And it's very specific for each of us. Don't minimize yourself. You're not one of the, just the greater body of Christ that God just looks at over the whole group. No, he looks at you individually. He knows every, I mean, the Bible says things like, he knows every hair on your head. That's crazy, right? That's easier for some than others. I don't know. In Christ, if you're taking notes, in Christ equals the place of grace. If you're taking notes, who we are in Christ equals the place of grace. This is so important that we know this, right? 2 Corinthians 1.20 says that all the promises of God are in him, yes, and in him, amen. Amen? God loves you today. And the word of God will equip you and help you yield to him so that you can know him and walk out this glorious plan that he has for your individual life. And it's a glorious plan. This is why it demands that he be first. Right? Because he can't violate your will and force himself on you. But God is good. Amen.